What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. The Baseball Insiders, we've got insight on the lockout. We've got movement in baseball. We've got Noah Syndergaard landing on the West Coast. We've got Jose Quintana landing close to the East Coast. We've got Robert Murray breaking it all. Baseball Insiders starts right now. All right, fine. You didn't break it all, but you did break Jose Quintana. And we'll get to the comments on your Twitter feed coming up here because that was my favorite part of the baseball week. Uh, Bert, good to see you, buddy. Hey, good to see you too, my friend. What's happening? Well, I'm interested in what you're poking around and hearing about how Rob Manfred is going to go about his business, sending out a memo to teams not to leak during the CBA talks. What does that mean? That was the text that I got from you. I, I don't quite understand it, but I'm, I'm very interested to hear uh, you speak on it and have a little conversation about what's going to happen here uh, with baseball and the lockout. So what do you got? Yeah, so Rob Manfred ended up sending a memo last night uh, or Sunday night to executives throughout baseball saying, do not leak anything about the talks going on with the CBA. Um, and he, he made it clear in the message, it was right at the top in the memo that I obtained that if anybody is caught leaking or going on the record with the media or off the record or even on background, that the team will be subject or subject to discipline and also the individual will be subject to discipline, which I thought, like, I mean, they're, they're going to want to control the leaks here. Uh, they do not want anything to get out, but it's bound to happen because that's part of these negotiations. We'll see the leaks from both sides. It's just a, a it's both sides trying to gain leverage publicly. Um, but Mafford is trying to get out in front of it, but we all know that's not going to be successful. So what is he worried about exactly? Can you, can you yeah. Oh yeah. He's worried about um, different aspects of the negotiations leaking, uh, whether that's about the DH, whether that's about arbitration, which we've already seen leaks happen. Um, he just does not want anybody to leak just so they can, like, so they don't risk losing leverage, I guess, is the best way to put it. But like the commissioner office, like baseball in general, has really cut down on leaks. You don't really see things leak until things are done or close. But like, as I said, like there's going to be a ton of leaks with this. Like it's just it's going to be ugly. It's going to last for a while, too. Like that's the general thought I've gotten from baseball people here. See, I, I just get very triggered uh, around the ways that organizations not just in baseball it's certainly the nfl might be king on this but people are so worried that such such information is going to get out and it's going to be an advantage to a team or in this case it's going to be an advantage to the players in negotiations which just is not true it doesn't matter what the media knows or doesn't know there's there's going to be pressure on major league baseball to make a deal there's going to be financial pressure uh 
sooner than later on the players because they're not billionaires like the owners. I mean, this is we've seen this play out a zillion times. It's it's a game of chicken, and how much can you get? And uh, you know, I I said that look, baseball showed during the pandemic that they're not they don't really care about playing games as soon as possible because they know that the stands are not going to be overflowing. Uh, early in the season so I don't but you 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 push back on that a little bit thinking that they actually do want to play a full schedule here correct are you sticking with that yeah I'm sticking with that because what we saw last year with them not or with them having a shortened season for only 60 games like both sides lost a ton of money and I just can't see them being eager to have that happen once again and and going back to their original point of like why Manfred does not want some of this stuff getting out is he's a lawyer. He likes to be in control of the message. And when he loses control, like that's not the, that's not the position that he wants to be in. Uh, and I, I agree with you. Like, I think it's kind of weird how both sides or how they're so unwilling or they're, how do I want to phrase that? They, they just don't want things getting out. And like the fact that they're so uptight about it, I don't get it, but Maybe that's just me being biased because my job is to like get that stuff out, but accurately, of course. Right, right, Bert. We we know that you're you're about accuracy, you're about integrity, you're about domination, you're about getting the story right, and that's one of the reasons why I call you uh, officially the young superstar uh, who's going to dominate the landscape and um, surpass <laughs> pass in Rosenthal and everybody else along your way to baseball king of of planet. You're I'm just trying to head. catch up to you, Carm. That's what no, I'm. No, 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 no! Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't. You're. This is this. You, this is it. This is an ant hill. You're climbing. Uh, you're, cli- <laughs> you're climbing Everest over there, buddy. Uh, that, that's what I expect from you. But look, uh, hey, let, let me ask you this: Does Rob Manfred have the support of the owners? Do they believe in Rob Manfred? Boy, that's a hell of a question. <laughs> um, I think the answer would vary by the owner uh, that you talk to. Um, is my personal opinion on that. I know how the other parties in major league baseball feel about Manfred and it's not so kindly. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would vary by the owner that you talk to for sure. I mean, I've never heard anybody say a good word about Rob Manfred. Really? I mean, yeah. it, it, that just doesn't happen. At least um, two of us. Right. So, but the owners employ him. I don't hear a lot of people saying great things about Roger Goodell either, but I always do hear that the owners love Goodell because he takes all the bullets for, the shield and he keeps them out of harm's way as best he can. And that's why he makes 44, whatever million dollars he made this year. Uh, but I don't really hear that about, uh, I don't hear that narrative with Manfred as much or, or at all really, uh, but he's there. So they have to appreciate him on some level or, or else they get rid of him. Right? No, exactly. Yeah. And I, also like, I want to like stop here, stop you for a second there. Did you say Goodell makes 44 million? I think it's year? more than that. I think he made, I think by doing 50, I, I can look it up here as you're talking, but it, it's, it's an enormous amount of money. That is, that is absolutely absurd. Like, what the heck? I didn't even think he's making more than the players are, Carm. Yeah, he uh, is. He's the commissioner of football, and he's he's in control a lot of like Roger Goodell salary, uh, sixty three million, sixty three for the past uh, two two years, according to the New York Times. That's on a quick Google search here. Uh, sixty three million dollars. Wow, we're in the wrong industry. I'm convinced of that, Carm. Well, it's interesting too about the money part of it because, like, in the and we can move on to some of the signings that are coming up here. But uh, let me just jump to Justin Verlander because you got uh, uh, one year with an option that can pay him up to fifty million with the Astros, and uh, you know, 
Verlander really is trying to get this last contract. It, it, what, the, the, you know how much money you've made in your career to this point? Like, I get it. Get one more big bite of the apple. But I don't think you, your life is, uh, is changing at all, I wouldn't think, uh, with, with another huge deal other than, hey, you know, it's, there's an ego in it and wanting to be paid for what you've done and who you are. I get all that. But I, this whole, like, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, we're all trying to like survive in this world. And these guys are, maybe it's just such a different level. I can't even understand it, Bert. That's what I'm saying, I guess. Like, why are you worried about money? You've been making millions of dollars for years. You're set. Your your kids are set. Your family's family, family set. And unless you want to save the earth yourself, which would be a great thing, um, and go Mother Teresa, then I I think you got enough, dude. That's, you know, but congrats to Verlander. Another 50 million in in the tank. Good for you. Yeah, if I was him, like I, I would take that in a heartbeat. But like, if we're if we're talking strictly Verlander, he's one of the most competitive people that I've ever met in baseball. Um, and he, like, he's not in it for the money exactly. Like, he's well. Let me let me rephrase this. Every player wants to maximize their value, um, and a lot of these players they have a very short sell, or shelf life. Um, and when you're able to pitch this deep into your career, like, and you're as good as he is, like you want to continue to maximize that value. And I thought like that contract for him was extremely rich. That was way more than I was expecting him to get. And I, I'll give credit to his agent, Mark Peeper over at ISC baseball. I thought that was, that was a very nice deal for the player. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Poppy the Puppy. Uh, apparently, somebody showed up. The fan sided offices. Dan Selke's here. Uh, keep going. <laughs> that was uh, that was a nice appearance right there. That was more intelligent than the stuff I usually say. But anyways, um, <laughs> uh, like I thought that it was a very good deal for the player, and the fact that he was able to get that kind of a contract coming off of Tommy John um, was a big risk by the Astros, especially like usually with deals like that, where it's one year for 25 million and there's an option involved. Usually it's either a mutual option or a club option. Um, and the fact that he was able to secure such a deal where it was a player option, I thought was an al- also a win, but also with, with Verlander and them, the Astros committing that much money to them. Uh, I think that was a huge indicator that they're planning on competing heavily this year and makes you wonder maybe they make one last ditch effort at trying to re-sign Carlos Correa or even one of these shortstops. Um, but the Verlander deal overall, I thought was probably the most impressive deal of the offseason, even over Syndergaard so far. So, okay, let me get to Syndergaard next, but let, let me just try to understand the Astros here. Yeah, It's been reported that they're, they're not bringing back Correa. Now it's being reported that they're in on the top shortstops. I don't know why you would want to keep your guy. And if you are trying to find a way to pay your guy, why are you giving 39-year-old Justin Verlander $25 million? I get that the contract's going to be way out farther than this year, but you can also bank money. I mean, there's a way to – there's creative ways to go about this. So I'm confused by the way Houston's going about their business. I don't – Verlander is, you know, look, the guy's been phenomenal. He, they won a world series because of him. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you can really say it just like that. The dude had an ERA under one, um, but, right. but this is, you know, the Yankees said no to one year plus an option. They didn't want to pay it. And I, I get this isn't George Steinbrenner's Yankees, but 
you know, that, that, that's an organization that spends and they weren't willing to go there, but the Astros were. Yeah. And like, and the fact that you mentioned that they were in on, they're in on the other free agent shortstops. I haven't seen those reports, but like, let's let me, okay. So from their perspective, the reason they do this deal now, instead of resigning Correa is Correa is going to command a contract that is going to be a lot. I've heard the number 342 million thrown around just because it's over Fernando Tatis Jr. and Francisco Lindor. I think that's probably going to be his goal. Um, and I don't think the Astros are going to be willing to pay that. We've seen reports now about the Yankees being or not being willing to do such a deal and even the Tigers. So that's starting to eliminate suitors. So maybe it ends up getting down to a price point where it makes sense for the Astros to get back involved. But let's say that it doesn't. And like, this is just me speculating here. This is not me like having sourced information, but maybe they end up trying to go after one of these, one of these cheaper shortstops, or at least the, the cheaper premium shortstops. And Trevor's story, I know has been connected a ton to the Texas Rangers. I believe he's from that area. Um, and I mean, I don't know how far Houston is from, from Arlington, um, but maybe that makes sense because he'll end up being somewhat cheaper. Um, but like, I can't see them spending on a guy like Javier Baez or you know, maybe a Marcus Simeon, but like he's asking for a lot of money. I've heard a couple of teams say that Boris's asking price for Simeon is pretty outrageous. Um, but like if the Astros are in, like are on these shortstops, I think Correa is still pretty unlikely, but maybe stories you got to keep an eye on. So best guess right now, Bert, first shortstop to sign and with who will be? Let me go process of elimination here with you, Carm. You're putting me on the spot here. I, um, I, this is why I do. I, I am. I, and I know that uh, this is just a guess. This is not bird information. We'll get yeah. to the, the Jose Quintana uh, moment in time in a second here. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot to tackle today. But like best who first guy to go? It's not going to be Trevor Story. It's not going to be Javier Baez. I don't think it'll be Marcus Simeon. So... It, to me, it would be either Correa or Corey Seager. I'll go with Seager. That's my current guess at the moment. And like part of that is like education, or it's an educational guess right there, or like a like an informed speculation on that one, I guess. Um, like that, he, he's got a lot of fans throughout baseball, um, and like he's got a lot of concerns that come with him. But his talent is—you can't question that—and. Like, these teams are worried. Well, they already know that after a certain amount of time that he's going to have to move to third base, but for a player as talented as him, I think teams are going to be pretty eager to sign him. So I'll go with Seager and then Correa and then the floodgates just open, but I just don't know if it happens before the lockout or after like that part, I'm still like pretty uncertain about. Right. You got a guess on Seager Yankees. I've maintained that one for, for a month now. So I'm uh, I've, like, even though like there was a report yesterday from Joel Sherman of the New York Post that the Yankees really haven't been like that in on the free agent shortstops. They've just been monitoring. I still think that at the end of the day, they end up moving or they end up signing Seager, then move him to third base after um, a little bit of time and then have Volpe, their top prospect, go into shortstop because that kid is really freaking good like there's a lot of fans of his throughout baseball but especially in the Yankees organization all right let, let's move to uh the Miami Marlins and Sandy Alcantara who I, I know you've been in on this that uh 
looks like he's going to be staying in Florida and getting himself a nice extension. Yeah, it's as Craig Mish reported, it's going to end up being in the five years to 55 million range if it gets done right now as of 11:22 on Monday morning. There is no agreement in place, um, but the expectation is that it will get done. Um, and like on the surface, I thought the deal was a little light, um, admittedly. Um, but like this is a deal that the player really wanted to get done. And the team was motivated to get it done, too. And there was certain moments, even throughout the last season, that a deal was getting close, but they just hit standstills. But they were finally able to uh, to break through those those standstills. And like it's this deal, as of right now, is expected to get done. But I also wonder if this is a sign of what's to come in the next nine or so days with extensions. Because I heard, even at the GM meetings, that a lot of these teams are approaching players about getting extensions, trying to take advantage of the uncertainty that's coming with the CBA negotiations. And by securing players now, you can end up getting them for, you can give players more money now, but also like save money in the future. Um, by like, I don't want to say like, what's, what's the opposite of backloading a deal, Carm? That'd be front loading. There we go. Front loan. So these teams are, (laughs) which is always see a lot of teams, you know, I just think it's a bad strategy. A lot of times it's you, you, you'd rather kick the can down the road, pay it on the back end. Then you end up paying an older player. The most that you pay him in a contract, it just doesn't look good. I, I I think it's one of, and, and the player wants the money now anyway. So I, For me, it's a kind of an inefficiency that hasn't been taken advantage of as well. Hey, dude, we're going to give you a boatload up front because we can afford it this year. Like a team like, say, say the Cubs, who maybe aren't ready to win now and have a ton of financial flexibility, and you're trying to figure out a creative way to get in on the shortstops. Hey, Carlos Correa, we'll give you $55 million in year one and let it, you know, something something like that, which – you when you have the flexibility to do it, to me, it makes a whole lot of sense, but I rarely, you rarely see it go down that, that way. But anyway, go ahead. No, I, I think you're, you're totally right. And like, I would expect some of these deals to end up getting done. I don't like, there, like there's one negotiation that I've kept my eye on for probably about 12 months or so. And like this, I would highly, 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 highly doubt it gets done. But the pot or the, the pirates have been trying to extend key Brian Hayes. Uh, they're very good young player um, and they're very far apart negotiations. The last I heard. So like, that's what I've tried to keep an eye on. Um, I mean, there's others throughout the league. I can't mention them um, yet, but like, that's one that I know of. I don't expect it to get done, but I would be very surprised if, if Alcantara was the last deal to get done here or extension. I should say. Were you surprised with the Noah Syndergaard deal, New York, uh, the Mets clearly we're not prioritizing him and the angels swoop in with a one-year deal, which was about 3 million more than the qualifying offer. So he made a little bit more money, but only a one-year deal. And on an angels team, that's needs a little bit more help other than Noah Syndergaard, even though he's super optimistic around the talent there. Uh, I'm wondering if some other teams are looking around, like why weren't we doing that for Noah Syndergaard? That's a reasonable contract for a potential really high end guy. Yeah. And like going back to our last podcast, I ended it with it would not surprise me if there was a premium player who ended up signing this week uh, or later this week. And that player was Noah Syndergaard. Like that deal was going to happen before the qualifying offer deadline. Um, and the Angels, I it didn't surprise me that they were aggressive with him. 
because he fits exactly what the front office there wants. Um, and that's a guy who can take charge and just overpower opposing hitters and a frontline guy, no less. Um, I was at the end, like I was surprised though, that it wasn't the Atlanta Braves because I reported last week that the Braves were making, um, they, they were being aggressive in phone calls and Syndergaard was a player that they were in on. Um, and they ultimately did not get him. But as far as, um, as far as the angels and the fit there, I thought that made perfect sense. 21 million is a very good deal for a player of his talent and his caliber. Um, and they're not going to be done by the way. Syndergaard was just the beginning. Like I could see them being in on an Alex Wood type. Uh, we could see him sign before, um, uh, before the lockout starts. Steven Matz, I don't think they're going to end up being in on him. Marcus Stroman will be too expensive. I've heard the number five years for $125 million thrown around for him a lot, um, and that would be the same average annual value as Justin Verlander, but just on more years. Um, but Syndergaard was a really good start. There's risk for him because he's only thrown two years and two innings. But for his talent, a player like that, $21 million is a relative bargain. And um, if he turns out, the Angels have the upper hand and extensions talks to like keep him in town. Um, and if it doesn't work out, it's just one year and they can let him go. But I thought it made perfect sense. What, what teams are you hearing are the most active making phone calls right now? Uh, the Cardinals are one for sure. Um, it just seems like there's a lot of different teams like, that are trying to get deals done before um, the lockout here. But the Cardinals are especially one of these teams that I've heard. Um, and they're going after starting pitching pretty aggressively. And Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch ended up writing that they're targeting players, specifically pitchers, who are who usually end up giving up ground balls or ground ball pitchers. Um, and that plays perfectly in hand with their infield defense, which is pretty elite with Nolan Arenado, Ar- Nolan Arenado Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, uh, and Paul DeYoung, although – I still wonder if they end up moving on from DeYoung, but that's for a different, different podcast here. Um, <laughs> but uh, like they want pitchers that fit that description. And two of them that really fit for me are Alex Wood and Alex Cobb. They're both very good ground ball pitchers. Uh, I think they'd be relatively cheap. I think Wood will sign probably a two or three year deal for about 10 or 11 million per year. Um, I don't know about Cobb though, but like the higher end guy would be Stroman, but he could end up being pretty out of their price range here, but they're being pretty active in talks, but I would expect a flurry of these deals to happen um, in the next nine or so days. I think these players are going to want to get off the market before the uncertainty of the lockout. Where do you see Steven Matz going? I'll say he stays with Toronto because they're trying to keep the band together in Toronto with Steven Matz and Robbie Ray. Um, like Matt's market is pretty, pretty aggressive right now. And I like, he's very much hoping to sign before Thanksgiving, which is only a couple of days away. Uh, and that market is pretty hot. You got the Mets, you got um, the Cardinals, you got all sorts of different teams. Like the, the Mets being in on Matt's, by the way, is really interesting. I just don't see that happening um, just because he, he was there before and really struggled. So I would not expect that to happen, but um Matt's makes a ton of sense for Toronto and the Cardinals and, and all these other teams that are, that are looking for starters and he'll, he'll end up getting a deal that I think surprises some people. Since you mentioned Turkey day, Burke, uh, what's your favorite thing on the, on the, on the Robert Murray plate? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this car. Cause I, I, knew, I, I, I knew gotta, you, 
Yeah, I know. I know. I know you love you love a good little foodie conversation here before we get to your Jose Quintana report. Damn it. Let's hear let's hear Bert's Thanksgiving, by the way. Happy uh, happy turkey to you, bud. Yeah, I appreciate you. Same to you, my friend. I'm sticking with turkey, by the way. So turkey is the biggest conspiracy in the world. Um, I think turkey is just it's inedible is what it is. And anybody who serves turkey, I'm out on them. I I, I just can't do it. What a terrible Um, take. Keep going. (laughs) <laughs> I like that I'm already getting some backlash on that one, but I am a big, uh, big Happy prime Thanksgiving, rib. Prime rib. Okay. Yeah. So okay. is that like, is that like somewhat respectable at least? No, I mean, sure. I mean, I just didn't know you were so hoity-toity that you got to go prime rib on Thanksgiving. By the way, happy Thanksgiving to all our baseball insider listeners. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast, and we appreciate it if you especially give a rating and a review. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an average Joe over here. A turkey on Thanksgiving, baby. I would say uh, dark meat over white meat, which is uh, rarely gets the the dark meat and the, and the juicy true. and the tender. It doesn't get the acclaim it deserves. Uh, there's that. And uh, people kind of st- stick their nose up at stuffing too. Stuffing done right is is the absolute game changer. That 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 mushy deliciousness should be much more prevalent in life. But uh, no, I, by the way, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give you a stuffing take, and okay. I think this is one that you'll agree with. So anybody like stovetop stuffing is not good. But like you got to have it in the butt of the turkey, like because it soaks up all the juices. Like I may not be a turkey guy, but like I can at least appreciate tur- like tur- turkey juices and stuffing. Like that is just that's heaven, man. I, I eat my body weight in stuffing when I was like that. Will you have your phone on during Thanksgiving turkey, whatever prime rib dinner? Oh, a thousand percent. I like it would not surprise me, like given the state of the market and the activity right now, if a deal happens while I'm eating Thanksgiving dinner, like it's, okay. it's that active. So what do you sleep with your phone next to your pillow? I do. So here's a little insider tip on Bert is my outlet is very far away from my bed. Um, so I have an extension cord that <laughs> in my room that extends from the outlet that's on the other side of the room so I can have my phone charged right next to me just in case the scoop happens because I got to wake up with 100% battery baby right right right, yeah. right. Um, ringer, ringer on no uh, only on trade deadline day uh, only on trade deadline day okay because like there's times where I'll have the ringer on um, like at, let's say at like three o'clock in the morning I'll have an agent or a, an executive call me and be like hey what do you got and I'm like dude I'm trying to sleep here um, and then we end up having a, like a 30 minute talk or something. It's great. Um, I absolutely love it. Like I, I, I live for that kind of stuff. So, so agents I'll, call you to find out what, you know, so they can strategize for their players. Exactly. It's basically, it's uh it's a give and take. It's uh, yeah. The, the more, you know, the more valuable you are. And like I could, we could have an entire podcast dedicated to that. Uh, the sort of like the breaking news aspect of, of things and how things go down. But um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. You're, yeah. You're living, you're living in a, in a, in a, in a different land with, uh, but that's uh, also, I mean, I guess that's how big business works, right? What you know, who, you know, who's trading information, who's making money. Yeah. 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 That's right. right. By the way, Carm, I got I got something for you here real quick. Okay. So it is 1134 and, Oh, is that still morning, right? Yeah, sure. Um, 
my screen report for today is already at five hours and 40 minutes. So that's... Well, I, I retweeted your report that free agent pitcher Jose Quintana is in agreement with the Pittsburgh Pirates pending a physical, according to sources familiar with the situation. Now, you reported that at 346 yesterday afternoon. I retweeted <laughs> it uh, six hours ago. So that would be 5.34 a.m., is that right, roughly? 4.46 a.m. is when I sent it because um, I, you know, I woke up and I was thinking about the Baseball Insiders, and there you were on my Twitter timeline. And so I, I opened up the tweets, uh, or the comments, rather, after your tweet, and it's just unbelievable. Um, I, it just gave me a good early morning uh, humorous feel franchise altering transaction from the notorious LIB um, that let's see certain, certainly an exciting development. If this were 2013 pirates, hoping that he is good so they can trade him at the deadline. I think that's the uh, overwhelming take here. Uh, yeah. About five years too late. Just crushing Jose Quintana freaking pirates buying their way into a championship. Uh, that that's fantastic. Um and there's some they'll be sorry's and there's some cub legends and there's some stove is burning. The stove is hot. So, Oh, I got uh, There was another one in there. It was a quote tweet. Actually, it was okay. from, it's from Katie Wu. Um, just putting me on blast because at, um, at the GM meetings, I was at the bar with her and Russ Dorsey, who's both friends of the show, by the way, big, big Russ Dorsey guy. Um, and, three separate times I ended up leaving that group to like, I left the bar or I ditched them three different times at the bar um, just to like go do different stuff. And like those guys put me on blast for that every time I break news now. And Katie got me exposed. Russ retweeted it. And I had people coming at me and there was some dude that actually went at Katie for that tweet. Like I'll I'll pull it up right now. It was uh, the guy's response was just give us the news. No one gives a fuck about you getting left at the bar. Wow. Gee, like, wow. Pe- like people are brutal, man. Like, like, geez, Louise, a poor yeah. like, kid ended up fighting back and the guy deleted his account. So, um, yeah, the guy got ratioed to death basically. So it's, it's, it's a rough land out there. Um, <laughs> very rough. Let, 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 let Robert Murray enjoy his, his, his time at the, uh, you know, having a cocktail during, during the, the general manager meetings. Come on. I mean, this is, that's not Katie's on the team. We are we are team Katie here at uh, That's right. So yep. and yeah, team yeah. Ross. We got a good squad here. Oh we yeah. Just, we just need a, a fifth for a, a basketball team. I don't know who we'd have, but Yeah, think about that one. It's it's, it's not Jeff Passon. I don't think that guy can make a layup. Uh well, I'm gonna tell him you said that, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> you passed that along to Passon that I'm I'm doubting his his hoop <laughs> abilities. Uh all right. I Low, low. Uh, I mean, Katana hasn't been good, but I kind of like the move for the Pirates. They got nothing to lose. Two million bucks is nothing. Jose Katana somewhere in there. Maybe there's a drop left. No. Yeah, no. I'm I'm agreeing with you. I think that's that was a decent move, especially with the other pitchers signing for as much as as they have. Like two million for a guy with Katana's track record, pretty good. And the odds are the Pirates are going to stink this year. Um, and he'll end up being a guy like Tyler Anderson or he like, that's their thinking is he could end up being their this year's version of Tyler Anderson where he exceeds expectations and they end up trading him for a decent hall of prospects um, at the deadline. So 
there's certainly a logic behind it. I think it gives them starting pitching depth that they did not have. Um, yeah, just I think it was like there's no risk in that one year for two million. Like that's that's nothing. So I think that was a good move by the Pirates. A better move was when the White Sox traded in the Cubs for Eloy Jimenez and uh, Dylan Cease. That was a good move. I to this day, like, wait, so that was a trade that wet butt whatever sixty nine or something. He ended up breaking that on the Reddit threads, right? Oh, wet butt had that one. I forget, but that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The, uh, the fact that we just mentioned wet butt on the pod—that's uh, life is good. That, that that made my day right there. Do, do you know wet butt? I don't, but I would absolutely love to to meet wet butt. <laughs> wet butt is consistent. That's uh, you know the dude gets after it daily. Congratulations to wet butt. <laughs> Uh, speaking of, by the way, uh, the, the Chicago franchise, are you hearing who's, who's more active right now? Cubs Sox. Do you, do you hearing any rumors with either of those two teams? Cause I'm always interested in, in a little, little Chicago gossip. Yeah, I think, so I'll start with the Cubs. They're in on starting pitching, uh, and they've actually been connected publicly to Steven Matz, which I thought kind of interesting to me. Cause I didn't think they'd end up being, you know, on that kind of a player after getting Wade Miley, but like they have money to spend. They made that clear at the beginning of the offseason. And they have a lot of uncertainty in the rotation behind Kyle Hendricks. So I, I would imagine they're going to end up being in on some of these starting pitchers, maybe short-term deals just so they can maintain f- long-term financial flexibility. But uh, maybe that ends up being a fit there. Um, but specifically with the White Sox, they're, they're being decently aggressive on the market. I know they've targeted – um, outfielders and also like infielders, uh, like the second baseman type. Um, but they also really want a left-handed hitter to get some balance into that right-handed heavy lineup. So, um, I have names. I can't mention them on the show. Um, cause I want to keep those close to the vest. Um, but like they're being aggressive and like, they're looking at the top of the market for some of these players. I'll, I'll give you that much. Top of the market, left-handed hitting. You baseball insider listeners, you can do the math on that and figure out uh, perhaps who who Bert is 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 holding back on this podcast, but will release in podcasts to come. All right, I think we've done it here, my friend. Thanksgiving version, starting with Rob Manfred and secrecy. Don't say a word, or Rob Manfred will come calling. Noah Syndergaard is an angel. Verlander is an Astro, uh, and Jose Quintana is a Pittsburgh Pirate. And the free and, agent short star market continues to swing. Yes. What did I miss? And the, the fact that the world now knows what my turkey stance is. So hopefully, hopefully I don't get some mean tweets along the lines of what Katie got. But um, I know some people are passionate about their turkey. I mean, I, I wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. I wish the same thing for, for everybody who listened. And uh, I am curious, if are, do you have, is it a friend Thanksgiving? Will you actually be having this prime rib or will you just be thinking about it? Uh, and and being disappointed with your actual meal. So I have some very sad news to report in that regard. So on Wednesday, I'm having a Friendsgiving, and there will be turkey. Okay, um, there you go. And on Thursday, I'm getting, getting together with a bunch of family, and we're having turkey and also ham. Like I'm getting together with, with my mom and dad and everybody. My mom makes this, this ham with a, an amazing glaze. Like, I could eat so much of that. Like, I would pay for it the next day, but, like, it's worth it, man. You got to go all out sometime. And yeah, I, I love my ham. Ham is good. You do. I, I just went to the doc myself, got my physical, the, uh, 
Cholesterol is on a slight tick up, so we're going to have to dial in on the next six months to get that back down where it needs to be, but it won't that's be right. on Thursday. So uh, That's right. I like that mindset right yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, a couple points here. I'm, I'm, I'm still... Hopefully we'll make it through the end of the year. Uh, at, oh, you better come! Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get there until this podcast reaches reaches mountains that we never thought it could. So, one pot at a time. Thank you for listening to the Baseball Insiders, Bert. Great stuff as always, brother. Yeah, right back at you, my friend. Let's let's have a good Thanksgiving. And as Carm said, thank you everybody for listening and supporting the show. And I hope you have an amazing Thanksgiving and, and lots of amazing food. We'll see you next week.